Good morning, everybody. How are you guys? Wonderful and not sure. There we go. That's a bit better. Well, it's good to have you guys here with us today and uh, thankful for each one of you gathering. Um, as you know, a couple of quick things. Today is not Sunday, it's Saturday, but thankful that we can gather today. Um, they say there's going to be snow tomorrow, and I, I, you never know, but they seem pretty sure. I, I don't, I'm pretty sure too, but uh, I, I got a feeling it's going to be be a good bit of snow out there. I'm hoping it just stays snow and no ice and all that stuff, but um, I want to encourage you with a couple things um, just for today. I want to say first, thanks for coming, and uh, thanks for being flexible. Hey, that's what we talked about going into this new year is, as we've learned the past couple years, life happens, things happen, you know, all that stuff, so we want to be a little bit flexible and grateful that we can move uh, service to today. Uh, so what tomorrow's going to look like um, is probably snowy and staying inside and drinking coffee or hot chocolate or something and watching our husband, you know, watching the husbands go out and, and shovel snow and stuff. But, um, <laughs> but, but that, but uh, be safe tomorrow and, and over the next couple of days and, and everything. And if you do need help <clears throat> over the next couple of days getting shoveled out or something, let me know or call another guy who you know is probably out and about or has a shovel and a strong back and a weak mind like me, and uh, we can try to help you out as best we can. Um, but a couple of things for announcements. <clears throat> Uh, right now, uh, unless the Lord completely takes the storm of snow and throws it away, there will be no services tomorrow. So stay home, stay safe, read your Bible together, pray together, all these things we've been talking about, and spend some time with the Lord. Um, mark down on your calendar and uh, be a, a good reminder that the last Sunday of the month, January 31st at 6.30, that evening service, we're going to be having the Lord's Supper, uh, the four, uh, first par- uh, portion of the service, and then afterwards we get to have a baptism. And so praise the Lord for that. Um, but with that being said, if anybody uh, is in need of being baptized or has questions about baptism, what that looks like, the meaning, all that stuff, come and see me, and I'd love to talk with you and get you on schedule uh, so we can dunk you, all right? Uh, but we're looking forward to that night and, pray, uh, and uh, praying for a, a good night and that you can come out and uh, just to celebrate what God is doing and, and has done for us. Uh, then as well, uh, just to kind of put on your calendar, Um, on Saturday, February the 5th, 8 o'clock, the men's prayer breakfast. How many men do we got here? Okay, all right, that was really enthusiastic, guys. If you weren't sure, all right, just you'll figure it out, okay? Um, (laughs) All right, men, try this again. How many men we got here? Oh, googa booga, right? Some sort of manly noise, I guess. All right, there we go. Uh, If you can, we would love to have you. On Saturday, February the 5th, 8 o'clock, make some breakfast food. If you can't make breakfast food, bring a box of cereal and maybe milk or something. I don't know. Uh, But bring some breakfast food to share uh, with some folks, and and we'll have some stuff. If everybody brings bacon, we'll have a great time. So come, and uh, we'll have a good time, and uh, spend some time in prayer and fellowship together. And so, men, mark that down on your calendar, and uh, you won't want to miss it. Now, after we eat, you might want to miss it. I don't know. We'll see. But it should be a good time, and I'm looking forward to it. But uh, let's go ahead this morning, and we're going to pray, and things will be a little different this morning. Uh, we want to kind of strip everything back a little bit today, just use our hymn books this morning. Um, we don't have a special song today. Yeah, we want to just worship the Lord with our hearts and uh, through song, and uh, then we're going to have some preaching and, and let you guys get out of here and, and uh, get ready for this snowpocalypse and all that stuff. Go try to buy all the rest of the milk and bread for your milk sandwiches and stuff, all right? But, uh, let's pray this morning, and uh, then let's turn our hearts to the Lord in worship. Father, we come to you this morning, God, we thank you for this day, Lord, for allowing us to gather and, and to worship you, and Lord, while we certainly see that life changes and things change, and Lord, that we certainly change, Lord, we are grateful that you don't change, Lord, that you remain the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Lord, help us to praise you for that and for the truth of your word. God, I pray that uh, this morning, Lord, as we worship you, as we sing, God, that our hearts would worship you and be filled uh, by you and, and for you, Lord, that we would sing and that we would fellowship together and Lord, that we would sing the truths of your word. And God, as well as, as preaching uh, part, uh, happens, Lord, that we would uh, not cease to worship, but rather, as your truth is proclaimed, that our hearts would continue to worship you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us all today, God, to receive what we need from your word. And Lord, that today, if we need conviction, that we would be convicted. If we need encouragement, we'd be encouraged. But God, I pray that today that you would uh, just move amongst us, Lord. We pray that you would manifest your presence and, and show us your glory today, God, that you would uh, change hearts and lives, and Lord, that today, that in all things that we say and do, that you would be honored and glorified. I pray, God, as well, that you would uh, keep us safe and prepare us for 
uh, the storm. Lord, we do pray that, um, that we would be able to keep power on, that there wouldn't be much ice and things. But Lord, as well through it, God, that we might be able to appreciate your goodness and your power over all of creation, over every flake of snow, and, and to know that, that there is such beauty as it points to you, uh, our Lord, our Creator, our Redeemer, our Savior. So God, I pray that you would help us now and fill our hearts and strengthen us today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. keeps me singing. <clears throat> He's put a new song in our heart when we got saved. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Psalm 40, verse 3, as we sing first, second, and fifth verse. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee, peace be still, in all of life's ebb and flow. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. All my life was wrecked by sin and strife. Discord filled my heart with pain. Jesus swept across the broken strings, steered the slumbering chords again. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Now the good part. Sun is coming back to welcome me, far beyond the starry sky. I shall wing my flight to worlds unknown. I shall reign with him on high. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Thank you, good Lord, for giving us a new song in our heart and in our mouth. Hymn number 493, 493, glory. To his name. Without this shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Hebrew 9.22. Our God is due all the glory. Amen. He deserves it. Look what he hath done. Amen. As we sing the first, second, and third verse. Down at the cross where my Savior died. Down where for cleansing from sin I cried. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to I am so wondrously safe from sin. Jesus so sweetly abides within. There at the cross where he took me in. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. There the blood applied glory to his name oh precious fountain that saves from sin I am so glad that I entered in there Jesus saves me and keeps me clean glory to his name 
number 705, 705, it is well with my soul, just about everybody's favorite. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, Psalm 55, 18. It is well with my soul, first, third, and fourth verse. like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say it is well it is Let's give our pastor a good hand. Then you can be seated. Amen. Amen. Appreciate the worship lifted this morning. What beautiful songs. And thank you all for, for singing out this morning. And I know for some folks, when, the, when there's not as many people, you get a little nervous about singing. Someone might hear you. You know, I... I'd like to sing loud enough that maybe the Lord just might hear us. Amen. That's who we're singing to and for anyways. But I'm grateful that you guys are here and it's so good to see uh, so many of you. Take your Bible and turn with me to Ephesians chapter number five this morning. Ephesians chapter number five. We're going to be looking at our next step here. We've been talking about um, at the beginning of the year and looking at as what you see around you, these, these banners that show uh, really the pillars of our vision. Uh, which our vision here at Victory Way is that Victory Way strives to be a unified body of believers who daily seek to glorify God in our community through genuine worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. So last week we dealt with what it means to have genuine worship and to be genuine worshipers, or as Jesus put it to the woman at the well, uh, for true worshipers. And so uh, uh, my prayers that today is that now, we would not just be true worshipers, as certainly I hope has happened this morning. It sounded that way, but hopefully in the heart, that's where the real worship is. But now today we get to what it means to be a genuine disciple. 
If I were to ask today, are you a disciple or what is a disciple? Most folks would probably say in our churches and in our circles, because unfortunately we've done a bad job at teaching it, to be honest with you. If I were to say, what is a disciple? You guys would probably say uh, John and James and, and Peter, which is to a, to a degree true. They were certainly disciples uh, during Jesus' earthly ministry, but we would miss the mark by not understanding that you and I are still yet called to be disciples of Christ. Today, I believe we need to look and get back to what it means to be a genuine disciple. In these dark days, there is a great need for genuine discipleship in our churches, in our homes, and in our own hearts this morning. This is perhaps the greatest pandemic of our day. There are still plenty of church buildings there are still plenty of folks who will go to church or sit on a pew or a chair or, or whatever, and they'll sing either words on a screen or from a book, and, and they'll hear some sort of sermon, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, and there's plenty of all of the above. But there's very few who then will be disciples outside of just coming to church. I want you to know there is a stark difference between those who were a part of the big crowd that came to get the, the, the miracles and the, the fish and the bread from Jesus, as opposed to those who truly followed and walked with the Lord. There is a, uh, a grave difference between those today who simply come to church or simply profess Jesus and those who are actually disciples following Him. The, the test of discipleship is not that you are here today on a Saturday morning, and praise God, and I thank God that each one of you are here, uh, but the real test is come the next six days of this week when you're out living your life, which you will spend far more time on your own than in here. And, and it's meant that way. We are to be a refueling station, a place where we gather and fellowship and worship and to prepare our hearts to go out into this world and to be used of God to do exactly what He has commanded us to do. But it's going to begin individually long before it is corporate. We must decide if we are truly going to be committed followers of Christ or not. We have many churchgoers and many Christians, but we have very few true dedicated disciples following Jesus who are truly not just genuine in their faith, but genuine in their walk. And we have many people who genuinely enjoy church or the idea of church, but we have such a smaller percentage of that group that genuinely loves the Lord and genuinely follows Him as we are commanded in Scripture. Now, Many believers do not know if they are disciples, let alone know what a disciple is. And I want us to look at that today. As we look here, you can view our, our little illustration here, what it means to be a disciple or discipleship. You see some praying hands and an open Bible, and truly that is really to a degree the foundation. If you first are not in prayer and studying God's Word on your own, then there will be no other part of discipleship going on in your life. Right? I want you to know I can preach every day, and we can have an hour-long worship service every day of the week, and guess what? I will still have you for that many hours, and you still have yourself to deal with for the rest. You must make this concerted effort to truly walk with the Lord in your heart first. Now, I want to read for us today's scripture, which is the, the, sort of the key verse for these, these banners, for this truth of, of genuine discipleship. It's found here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Let us pray. Our Father, we come to you this morning and I thank you for the songs that have been sung, for the truths that have been presented through the, the words and, and the, the worship that has been lifted. God, I thank you for that. I pray, God, that you would now help us to continue to worship you as your truth is proclaimed, God. I pray that you would protect my heart and my mind as well as everyone in this place today, God, that you would spiritually provide for us a good soil, Lord, so that, Lord, your, your truth would be embedded into our hearts and would spring forth and that we would have growth and that we would have uh, real, um, real growth in our hearts and, and in this church, God, that we would um, take your word seriously and that your word would accomplish great things today. And, God, that you would be glorified and magnified in all things. Lord, I pray that you would guide my, my tongue and my mind today. As I preach, and Lord, I pray that you would fill us and strengthen us today and meet the needs of every heart. In Jesus' name, amen. First of all, I want us to look today at the position of genuine discipleship. The position of genuine discipleship. First of all, I, I as a pastor, there's many people who have a whole wide range of opinions about how, it, it, we'll just put it this way, right? Everybody is an expert on how to be the president, right? 
Right? Come on. You got a good president or a bad president. We all know we could run this country better. That's what we at least think. Then on the other side, on more of a side here to this degree, there's always someone who says, well, I could teach this better. I could do that better or that sort of thing. And that very well may be true. I want us to know, though, we can, my, my job here is not to teach you, though, how to do church. All right? My, my calling is not to teach you how to go through the motions of, of church. But my, my calling from God is to teach you Christ and to show you Christ so that you might know Christ. Because for you to know Christ is far greater than for you to know how to do church. There are plenty of folks who know how to do church, but yet they still don't know Jesus. You can know how to do church and how to dress, how to talk, how to act, how to do all the the X, Y, and Z of church and still not be a follower of Jesus. You go, how do I know? Well, there was a man named Judas who walked with the other disciples, and guess what? He still was not of them. He was still the one who would betray the Lord. There, You say, well, that sounds pretty harsh comparing us church folks to that. We would do the same exact thing, and we do the same thing, and we see the same thing when we have folks who love and do church, but don't love and know Christ. And so as we approach you today, I want you to know that above anything, it is to teach you how to follow and know Christ, not how to follow and do just church tradition or, or piety or policy. Now, first of all, the position of genuine discipleship, we need to define what it means to be a disciple. If we were to ask that today and, and to have you all write it down and throw it in a bucket and to start looking at answers, there is a multitude of things that we would probably get about what it means to be a disciple. The word is mathetes. It, it is used over 260 times, it's translated to some form of disciple. Now, it means to be a learner, a pupil, also disciple, or a follower. Now, now this is very key here. Uh, as was written by a gentleman uh, many years ago, and there's sort of this sort of generation, if you will, of, of those who uh, read his book. Uh, David Platt wrote a book, um, Not a Fan. And, and it really it did impact many for, for good um, to a degree. And in this, he, he sort of leads this argument of going, we don't need fans of Jesus, we need followers of Jesus, right? There's many a fair-weather fan of Jesus. The fair-weather fan of Jesus certainly loves church, Certainly loves it when, when God blesses us with, you know, uh, the cars or uh, the health or all of these things. But they won't follow him when things get tough, when the heat get turned up, when, when, when things get difficult, when, when the rubber really meets the road. What we need is to be a follower. And what the word disciple means or discipleship is to truly be a follower in the sense of everything that we do is in continued and constant pursuit of Jesus. It says one as well who follows one's teaching to be a disciple of someone, right? There are those who maybe are uh, Buddhist. There's a big old Buddhist colony up in, I think it's Nelson, uh, Nelson County, somewhere in there, right? And, and there's this big, they would call themselves disciples of this particular gentleman who uh, has started this whole thing and is blossoming, you know, all this stuff is out there. And it's not good, by the way, but they would call themselves disciples of such. You and I, when we get asked, well, what are you? Many of us would have many answers. Well, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm an American. I'm a this. I'm a Carroll County resident. I'm a churchgoer. I'm a member of so-and-so church. Now, those are all great things and, and might be fine and well, and they very well may be true. But let me ask you today, are you a disciple of the Lord Jesus? This means that not only you would say, well, I didn't walk with him. Well, no, but we do spiritually. We walk with the Lord day in and day out. We have literally a, a spiritual walk as in the book of Ephesians, as the Apostle Paul is writing, he continues to say, walk this way, walk this way, walk this way. Here's how we are to have our Christian walk. And it truly is a journey. And I would say that many of us do follow church, but we must follow Christ. That is far more important. We must not as well follow a man, but we must follow the God-man, the Lord Jesus is one who follows his teaching. And by the way, Jesus taught every ounce of that Old Testament. Jesus did not just preach his own ideologies or theologies, but he preached from the Word of God. And he taught from the Word of God because he believed the Word of God. And even himself and in his life and manner, he is the divine Word of God, the divine logos, representation, revelation of God himself. Now, a disciple is not just to be a learner, but an adherent. Hence, they are spoken of as imitators of their teacher. 
those who were Christians and called Christians uh, first there in Antioch because they were little Christ. It meant that they were uh, imitating and lived like Jesus. They were associated with him, not just because they followed his teaching, but because they lived as he did. They uh, not just believed what he said, but lived what he said. Now, there are many who would probably, their discipleship would end there. A disciple being not just a learner, but a doer as well, an adherent. This means that we do not just come to church or we not just flippantly uh, turn on TBN or, or open up our Bible or, or, or turn on Christian radio and, and hear and go, oh, well, that must be it, right? Well, certainly hearing, but hearing must lead to belief and belief then leads to action. There is a, uh, this whole idea of discipleship is not just that we hear and understand what Jesus says or that we hear and maybe even believe what Jesus says, but that we hear, believe, and then we do what he has taught. We put our whole life based upon what he has taught and who he is. Now, Jesus' disciples of this day, they, they literally learned not just what Jesus did, but they lived with Jesus. They learned and lived with Jesus and, and learned and lived his teachings. Now, there were many times during that uh, ministry where most of them were left scratching their head, asking him, what kind of man is this that he can command the, the ocean waves and s stop the winds? Uh, who is this man that can raise the dead or can uh, do these miracles that only he could do? And many times they had no idea and could hardly even wrap their brains around who Jesus was, let alone what he was doing. But they were committed even to the fault, though, of where one disciple would say, I'd follow you, Lord, even to death. Wherever you go, Jesus, that's where I'm going to go. And Jesus says, no, you won't, at least not yet. He tells that same disciple, you're going to actually, before the, the sunrise, before the, 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 the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. That disciple, no, no there's no way, not me. I'm going to follow you. And there are many today in our day and age of which we're living in where we're living in a world that is totally different than it was even a year ago, let alone five and ten years ago. The whole world is different. Society is different. Our culture is different. People are different. Churches are different. And unfortunately, Christians are different, and not for the better. And what has happened in this is that many folks who used to say, I'll follow the Lord unto death, now will say, I'll follow the Lord as long as... X, Y, and Z happens, or as long as I feel comfortable to come, as long as I feel this, and, and, and have my parameters around how I will follow Jesus. When you are called to follow Christ, and when you surrender to that call, which is the moment of your salvation, that is the moment that our life ceases to be our own. That is the moment that we say, Lord, if I'm going to follow you, it is not about me or what I want or my comforts. It's simply only about following you. And when we look at this, as our world is going to continue to get darker and darker and much more difficult to follow Christ, I would wonder today how many of us would be able to actually say and be sincere that we would follow the Lord no matter what. Because I believe that that is going to show up very soon in our society and culture. That it's going to separate the real followers from the churchgoers. Church will still happen, but those who follow Christ will do so in a persecuted manner. It's happening throughout the world as we speak. But yet we're blinded to it because it's not talked about or we want to bare our head in the sand and pretend it's not going to cost us anything. Because to be honest today, going to church and coming to church today might have cost you an hour and a half of your Saturday, but it will not cost you your life. Even if we had service tomorrow, it will cost you a little bit of effort to get up, maybe brush your teeth or not. I don't know. I don't care. I'm up here. I don't smell you, right? It's fine. You don't smell me either. But think about this, though. It will cost us nothing to come to church but there's coming the day that it will cost you far more than what right now we're willing to pay to follow Jesus. See, ungenuine disciples follow in words, they don't follow in practice, especially when things get difficult. This requires a total commitment, even a total commitment to where the disciples would call him Lord, Rabbi, Master. Everything belonged to him. Everything that he said they were to do. When Jesus speaks, we listen. When Jesus says go, we go. There is no time to sit back and go, well, Lord, what about this and what about that? We, we simply go. We simply trust Christ with our life. If you'll trust Jesus with your salvation, should we not as well trust Him with our sanctification and with our, our, our walk with Him and with our life and, and ministry and our churches and our homes and families? Of course we should. Are you a true disciple? 
Truly learning and living what Jesus has taught and done and accomplished. The word discipline is certainly found in discipleship, is it not? It is a discipline to follow Christ. It is difficult to follow the Lord. It is a difficult thing to to, uh, wake up and to start to kill the sin that is already there welling up, tempting us as we open up our eyes. The moment you open up your eyes and realize that you're even awake, even before you even had your cup of coffee, sin is already knocking at the door. An opportunity is there to either follow Christ today and to enjoy Him or to go the wrong way, to live in the flesh and to then reap the, the fruit of the flesh. But we must discipline ourselves. It is not easy. If anyone told you when you got saved that being a Christian was easy, they lied to you. Being a Christian, a true follower of Christ, is not easy. And if it's easy for you right now, I would wonder, how much are you truly following Christ? It should be uncomfortable. Jesus said it would be uncomfortable. As we talked about uh, in the past few weeks, Jesus literally says, they're going to hate you and persecute you. So where's the comfort there? The comfort is not found in the world or in how easy things are. The comfort is found in Christ and that He is with us and has already suffered far more than you and I could ever imagine as He bore the weight and the wrath of God that paying the price for your sins and mine. The one who had never committed sin was a, or was even able to do sin literally becomes sin, becomes a curse for us so that we might be redeemed and, and bought back from sin. James 1.22 tells us familiar words that you all know. <coughs> but be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. When you say, I'm a disciple of Christ, but you only hear the Word of God or that you only come to church or, or a part of, of whatever you do, but yet the moment that things get bad, you say, woe is me, God must not be good, life is not fair, all of these things then you've missed out on what it means to truly follow Him. It is not just enough to follow Christ with what we hear and bring in and even the the words on our lips, but it is a heart that is disciplined to the Word and will and work of God in all things and at all times and ultimately for His glory in all things. The second portion of discipleship, what it means here in Ephesians 5, I want to look at this key phrase. This key phrase says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children. To be followers. To be a follower of God, notice first of all that God is the object of our following. He does not say, just follow me. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. Why? Because even the Apostle Paul is, according to his own self, he says, I'm the chief of sinners, right? I would say to you today, don't follow me, follow Christ. If you've got favorite preachers, and and by the way, listen to other preachers, listen to other folks, it's good. Do so. Get some other meat from some other guys. There's far more who who are used of God that no one will ever know, and there's some that, that people do know. But get some meat. Feed yourself. But guess what? They, like me, and like every other preacher that has ever lived except for Christ Himself, is weak and sinful and frail. Follow Jesus and keep following Jesus. And by the way, Don't give the lame excuse that you can't do church or follow Jesus because so-and-so let you down. I want you to know, if so-and-so let you down and you decided to leave church because so-and-so let you down, then you were not in church for the right reasons to begin with. Look to Christ. Come to church not because your friends are here, your family's here, or because you're supposed to be here. Come because Jesus is here. Come because Jesus is here bidding you, come unto me. Come and do all that we do, whether you sing, whether you help, whether you sit, whether you fellowship, whatever you do, it must be for Christ. Everyone, by the way, today is being led of something. Everyone today is being led of something or someone. You are following someone or something, right? Even now today on social media, you can not only like something, but then you can follow it. And that also means you can unfollow it too, right? I praise the Lord for that button, right? <laughs> But everyone is being led or followed by something or someone, and we must be led of the Spirit of God, of the Word of God, and humbly submit to that alone. The word follower here is the word mimetes. It is what you and I would call an imitator or a mimic. It literally means to, to, to do what he does. 
It, it's it's to, to mirror Christ. It's to reflect Him. It's to do and, and to say what He does and, and to walk and to live as He walked. Now, if there's anybody who has accomplished on this earth, it's not me and it's not even the Apostle Paul. No one has come to the completion of being able to follow or apprehend all of who Jesus is on this earth. That's the good news of glory. But until then, we have this lifelong sanctifying process of where we are to continuously, day by day, be transformed to be more like Christ. I don't want you to be like me because I know me. I don't want you to be like some of the other folks that I might know and love and appreciate their ministries. I want you to be like Christ because I want to be like Christ, but daily I fall and fail, but yet daily Christ keeps His arms open and says, keep coming, keep coming. You're almost there. Almost there though, some days seem so far away, but yet as we've sung these beautiful songs this morning, if we would but look to Christ and cling to His cross Heaven isn't but so far away. We're almost there. But until then, we are to be a follower. The word is in the present active. It means to continuously follow after. It means literally that we're not getting to the finish line until we get to the finish line. And the finish line isn't until your life is finished. That's it. And so until then, we continuously follow Jesus. We might stumble, but guess what? Get back up. Or rather, let the Lord pick you back up and keep on following. Uh, though you may stumble, though you may fall, though you may get off track, look to Christ and, and continue to seek Him, continue to follow Him. It is literally to do as Christ does. We are called to be imitators of God's attributes, His attitudes, and His actions. Many of you might today say, I, I want to be like Jesus, but to really understand all the depth of that is, is possibly too Difficult for our own minds to understand. We would say, I want to be like Jesus, but we don't want to be like Jesus if it costs us anything. We don't want to be like Jesus if it's difficult. And it is difficult. See, the word for imitation here that is used for followers, to give you some historical background on it, it's, it's kind of important here. Barclay writes, when Paul talked of imitation, he was using language which the wise men of Greece could understand. Mimesis, imitation, was a main part in the training of an orator. The teachers of rhetoric declared that the learning of oratory depended on three things, theory, uh, theory, imitation, uh, theory, imitation, and practice. The main part of their training was the study and the imitation of the masters who had gone before. It is as if Paul said, if you were to train to be an orator, you would be told to imitate the masters of speech. Since you are training in life, you must imitate the Lord of all good life. May we not forget either that when God creates man, He creates him to be an image bearer. To be an image bearer is much more than just that God makes us and stamps us and says, you're a human, congratulations. It's much more than that. To be an image bearer of God means that we are literally to bear the image of God. We are to reflect Him. We are to act as He has designed and created us. We are to give Him glory in all things. We are to uh, literally reflect the image of Jesus, our Lord. I want you to know that today, that right now in your heart, and as well as in mine this morning, you and I are reflecting or imitating something or someone. We either have Jesus all over us, or we've got something else, and it's not good. Have you ever seen someone or know someone and you just say, oh man, they just, it's like they got the Lord all over. Or they're just so Christ-like. They're just so godly. Praise the Lord for those folks. And, and many of us, you might be that person to somebody. I, I don't know. I do know this, that it should be the desire of every follower of Jesus to say, I want to not just have more of Jesus, but I, I want to be more like Jesus. And as image bearers, we will either reflect the image of Jesus our Lord or the own idols of our very own heart that we create. We become and follow what we worship. To give you an illustration, back in, back in the day, even before my time, I got to see Michael Jordan play towards the, the end of, of his career, right? And he was still probably better than most people. But Michael Jordan, his day, when he first kind of came along and he starts to become this young stud and star in the, in the league, and, and he's dominating everybody, right? And he's kind of become the face of, of basketball over the whole world, mind you. 
there was this phrase that every kid and using commercials and shoes and all kinds of stuff, be like Mike, right? Anyone ever heard be like Mike? Right? That might have been, might have been you as a kid going, man, well, be like Mike. Now today they'd probably say be like LeBron. I'd still say, right, if you're going to be anyone, you want to be the best. And Jordan was viewed as the best basketball player, and you wanted to be like Mike. But kids viewed it as so much more than basketball. They wanted his style, his money, his cars, his, his, his homes, his, his whole life. I want you to know that today we're not calling Christians to be like Mike. We're calling ourselves to be like Christ. We want all that he is. We want not just his benefits, but we want him. We want to be more like him. Right? You might strive to be able to shoot the ball like Michael Jordan, but let me ask you, are you teaching your kids to pray as Jesus did? To, to study God's Word as Christ did? To worship as Jesus did? To be compassionate as Jesus was compassionate? That's what we need today. To be like Jesus. You see, the cost, though, of that is what Jesus told His disciples. It's the way of the cross. He told his disciples, if you're going to follow me, you must pick up your cross and come after me. Deny yourself. Follow me daily. The cross, by the way, when Jesus is speaking of such, was not a decoration at the time. The cross at the time was, was viewed as you and I would see the electric chair. Could you imagine uh, folks in churches having necklaces of electric chairs around their neck? <laughs> no, of course not. But in Jesus' day, it was the means and mode of the most gruesome and gory death that there was. It was a place of brutality. It was a place where thieves and murderers and lawbreakers suffered and died and were mocked and were ridiculed and were literally laid open and naked to the world to be uh, made fun of and to be seen as an example of, don't do what this person has done, lest you have to go through the same thing that they've gone through. Jesus alluded and just told his disciples as he tells them, pick up your cross and follow me. He's, he tells him, I'm going to be delivered into the hands of sinners and I'm going to die. But I will rise. And praise the Lord that the cross is empty and the tomb is empty and that the Lord is coming back again for us one day. But when we look at the cross, we must not see a decoration. We must see the brutality of what Jesus suffered for us, for our sins. We must as well see the means of death, even your death and mine, that we die to ourselves daily. Wake up and die to self. Wake up and die to self. To die to self and to follow Christ means that we just might lose our life. But Jesus says if you lose your life, you'll find it. That's what we need more of today. And then he says to be followers as dear children. <coughs> Excuse me. Dear children. And it's great to have some children in here today. All of us at one point in time, you were a children. <laughs> Some of us are still children. <laughs> we're just a little older, a little bigger. If we think this, though, about children, notice this. Uh, first of all, he says, be there for followers of God as dear children. The only way that we can do so is if we are truly his child. When you were born dead in your sins and trespasses, you were born. Uh, your father is not Father God, but rather in your sins. And without Christ, you are of your father, the devil. But when you are born again, you are not just saved and redeemed and reconciled to God, but you are adopted as His own. Born again into His family, where He becomes your heavenly Father who will love you, who will correct you and out of love and does all that He does to demonstrate His love towards you and to uh, make you uh, more uh, as, as you were supposed to be and designed to be. There is no changing this position either, by the way. There is no getting adopted by the Lord and being saved and then being unsaved or being opposite of adopted. If you are His and He signed the paperwork with His precious blood, it is done. You are adopted by Christ and there is nothing that you can do to change that. Praise the Lord for that wonderful truth. We often neglect the, the beautiful doctrine of adoption. And by the way, your salvation and your sanctification is not you holding on to Jesus. It's that He holds on to you. And let, let's not forget that. So today, dear Christian who struggled with your walk and say, man, I've been a lousy follower. I haven't been a disciple like I'm supposed to. I haven't listened like I'm supposed to. Guess what? You have not lost your salvation, but rather right now you, you've lost a sense of, 
man, I, I haven't been doing what I'm supposed to do. So right now, the simple thing to do long before we get to an altar call is to simply say, Lord, help me. God, help me to follow you. Strengthen my heart and my mind. Turn me to you. Help me to see your glory. Help me to see who I am in you. Help me to see and to praise you for this position that you've given to me, not of, of anything that I've done or any good that is in me, but all the good and work that you have done. Now, children, though, are a special thing, aren't they? As dear children. Children are dear and children are sweet, but children will also imitate. <laughs> and they're good at it. Good and bad. <laughs> very good and very bad. Kids will do and say what they hear and what they see, won't they? If I had a dollar for every time as the uncle I got told, don't say that, <laughs> I'd have a lot of dollars. Why? Because kids repeat. And kids, if they see you climbing a tree, what do they want to do? Climb a tree. They see you do whatever you do, whether it's right or wrong, what do they want to do? Kids want to be like mom and dad or whoever they see and they want to imitate and they slowly do imitate until one day you wake up, you're an adult and you go, I'm my father. Oh my goodness, right? Or I'm my mom, right? And you've turned into them. So we slowly imitate. Monkey see, monkey do. My parents, possibly like your parents, you ever heard this phrase? That your parents ever said to you, do as I say. <laughs> okay, so somebody else heard that too. All right. Do as I say, not as I do. I heard that a time or two. And I always, <laughs> of course, with my mouth, I always say, well, that don't make no sense. Do as you say, but not as you do. Shouldn't you just do what you're supposed to do? And the answer is yes. Parents, if you want your kids to follow Christ when they get older and not just attend church, let them see you follow Christ and not just attend church. Parents, grandparents, if you want your kids to, to, to love the Lord and to, and to be used of God and to worship God and to be genuine in, the, in their walk with Him, then have a genuine walk yourself. Let them hear the way you speak to your spouse. Let them hear the way you speak and, and pray and, and to read the Bible and, and the way that you uh, speak of God and the things of God and the things of church. Let them see you walk the walk and not just talk the talk. Do as I say, not as I do. We must do as we are supposed to do so that we would not just imitate Christ in our own life, but so that others would then be able to do the same, especially for our young folks. Children are natural imitators, and when we obey the Spirit and live according to our position in Him, then we become like Him as obedient children. 1 Peter chapter 1 tells us this in verse 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. That's the whole manner of your life. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who, without a respect of persons, judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. To obey Christ and be holy as He is holy as obedient children. Imitate Christ. And then if you are truly His, then you will slowly and surely get there Slowly and surely be conformed to His image and one day see Him as He is. 1 John tells us <clears throat> in chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when, we, when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Praise God that while on this earth we might struggle with this fight and battle to be more like Christ, there's coming a day where we not only shall be glorified and be like Christ, but we shall then magnify Him and see Him as He is 
and be able to be in His presence forevermore. And one day, there's coming a day, dear child of God, that you will never fail your God again. Praise the Lord for that. And furthermore, I want us to see the practice now of genuine discipleship. We've talked about the position. This is who we are as a disciple, as a follower of, of God. If you're truly saved, you will truly be a disciple. But here's how this is to be practiced and worked out in our life. First of all, the practice of genuine discipleship, and all this is found here in Ephesians in this same passage. The practice of genuine discipleship is of love. Notice verse number 2. He says, Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. One of my favorite hymns, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, says, Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Every bit of us belongs to God. The first John tells us about love and what love looks like and how to, to truly be loving as Christ is loving. First John chapter 4, verse 15 tells us, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him. Praise God for that. And he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. God is love and because he is love and demonstrates his love, so then should his children. First of all, in Ephesians 4.32, love forgives. This is a hard part of love that we don't like. It's a hard part of life that we don't like, nor do we want to do. Ephesians 4.32 says, And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. This is the immediate contextual issue that Paul is dealing with, with what it means to walk in love, walk in forgiveness, follow Him. As we are forgiven, therefore we must forgive. We must never forget how much we have truly been forgiven for. You might say, I got saved at a young age, or I, I've known Jesus for so long. I want you to know, you have nothing to give to Christ except for dirty, filthy rags, and you've forgiven of so much. That we just don't realize it. To whom is forgiven, we must as well forgive. But love as well does not just forgive, but love forfeits. Verse 2, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. We forfeit our lives for the love of Christ and for his mission. Our lives cease to be ours. Everything that we are and all that we dream to be or want to be now belongs to Jesus. To imitate his love is to be a sacrificial, sweet-smelling sacrifice of genuine discipleship in our daily lives, to truly love as Jesus loved. That's what it means to be a disciple. But secondly, it also means to be light. The Bible tells us that God is love. And the Bible tells us then as well that God is light. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 says, this then is the message which ye heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise God for that. God is light and therefore we must walk in the light as He is in the light. Here, Ephesians chapter 5 tells us this about the light. In verse number 3, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, 
But now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. The light of Christ reveals our sin, shows us the way of life, and leads us all the way home to Him. The light separates us as well from the world. The darkness hates the light. The darkness despises the light because it's the light that reproves them of their sin. It's the light that shows them their sin. It's the light, though, that shows them the way to Christ. This is the light that we need today. In the world that has gone dark, it seems as almost as just a, a, a spiritual light switch just got flicked off. But we need to be the light and love of God as He is light and love itself. We have been transited from the kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of, of light, to the kingdom of His dear Son. Therefore, why should we partake in darkness? Rather, we should live in the light. To imitate His light is to be living a holy and separate life before Him as we shine His light and genuine discipleship in our daily lives. So as we bring this all to a close today, to be genuinely discipled and to be a genuine disciple of Christ, we, we have to understand that it does come with a cost, that it does come with a price, that it means that, that everything and all that we are now belongs to Him. But as well, it means where the rubber meets the road that we now live and walk in love and walk in the light as He is in the light. That we become followers of God as dear children to imitate Christ in all things. Not in a mocking imitation, but rather not to be fake Jesuses, but rather to be as Christ-like as possible, to be Jesus in this dark world, to be the light of Christ and the love of Christ in this world. Let me ask you today, if the Lord was here, and able to tell you yes or no. And you were to ask your own heart today, am I truly in genuine discipleship in my life right now? He knows the answer. I don't know your heart as well as you don't know mine, but I do know this, that Christ is very much there and He's very much worth imitating. Let me ask you this as well. What part of your life have you not fully given Him? You might say right now, I've given them all. I wish I could say the same. All of us have a piece of our life or a piece of our day or a piece of time that we don't want to give all the way to the Lord. We are much like the soul who would say, well, Jesus might ask for my whole heart, but I'll give Him 60% of it. We'll do a 60-40 split and that's pretty good. Maybe, maybe we'll go 80-20. Maybe even... 99%. It's all or nothing. And I want my life to be said that I've given everything to Christ and for His glory. And we decide today to imitate Jesus in His light and in His love to truly be genuine disciples, not just genuine churchgoers. Be genuine disciples of Jesus as He has called us to be and that this world desperately desperately needs today i leave you with this follow christ in your heart so that he will be followed then in your home in order to glorify him here and to be able to make disciples in hillsville we need it in our hearts first long before we'll ever see a change in our community we must have our hearts changed long before there will ever be an ounce of change in our country. May we decide today, much like we often sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Let's all stand this morning. As the piano plays, if you have a need today, this altar's open. If you need to be saved today and to trust Christ, to come and we can take the Bible and show you Jesus. Simply repent of your sins and trust Him by faith alone and He will save you to the uttermost. But today, if you have a part of your life that is not surrendered fully 
to Christ, if you have a part of your life that you say, I'm not being a true disciple or genuine in my discipleship right now, come and get that right. The Lord will not cast you away or cast you out, but rather come unto Him and He will give you rest. Would you come today? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for this time. God, I pray that you would <clears throat> help our hearts, Lord, to follow you, especially as we go now to our homes and throughout this week, Lord, that we would seek you, and Lord, that we would desire you more than anything else, Lord. God, I pray that we would be genuine, not just in our worship, but in our walk and our discipleship with you, Lord, so that we might in turn make disciples in our homes and in this community. Lord, I pray that you would watch over us now, keep your hands upon us, and keep us safe in Christ's name. Amen. There's a storm coming, literally snowstorm, but let, let's take this opportunity to sing and be reminded that who our refuge is in the storm, in the spiritual storms that we face often, daily, weekly, yearly. As the storm passes by, hymn number 543, we know who our refuge is. Thou hast been a strength. To the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm. Isaiah 25, 4. God is our refuge in spiritual battles, and he also can be our refuge in this big storm coming that they are forecasting that they'll probably miss. <laughs> but uh, let's sing the first and last verse. What a message, what a compliment this song is. In the dark of the midnight Have I oft hid my face While the storm howls above me And there's no hiding place Mid the crash of the thunder Precious Lord, hear my cry Keep me safe Till the storm passes by Till the storm passes over Till the thunder sounds no more Till the clouds roll forever From the sky Hold me fast, let me stand in the hollow of thy hand Keep me safe Till the storm passes by
has ended and the storms come no more. Let me stand in thy presence on that bright, peaceful shore in that land where the tempest never comes. Lord, may I dwell with thee when the storm passes by. Till the storm passes over, till the thunder sounds no more, till the clouds roll forever from the sky. Hold me fast, let me stand in the hollow of thy hand. Keep me safe till the storm passes by. And it's been good to have been in the Lord's house with our church family. If you agree, say amen. Amen. <laughs> amen. You dismissed.